up on We Talk News this week. Hi, I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting. I'm the Arizona correspondent for We Talk News, and this week we're coming to you from NJ BizCon in Las Vegas. While guarded optimism is the theme at this week's MJ BizCon in Las Vegas, California's largest cannabis distribution company, Herbal, has finally collapsed. Now they've got records. Now they can't get jobs because they were arrested on marijuana charges when we have had presidents and senators bragging about their pot usage. U.S. Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey continues to educate his peers about the injustices in the cannabis industry. And the Ohio battle heats up as legalization moves from ballot box to the legislature. Rapper Burner and his Cookies brand of dispensaries team up with The Last Prisoner Project to free all prisoners who are in jail on nonviolent cannabis crimes. All that and state to state, coast to coast, cannabis news coverage on We Talk News with Elena Pinto. Next. We are pro cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Weed Talk News, pro-cannabis media's weekly news show on the growing cannabis industry. I'm Elena Pinto. Thousands of people and industry leaders spent this week in Las Vegas for the 12th annual MJ Biz Conference. According to the team of reporters Weed Talk News has at this week's event, attendance may have been down a bit. It seems the festivities and the parties that surround the conference have been up, though. But whenever like-minded industry professionals get together, there is always optimism about the industry. The event is held at the Las Vegas Convention Center and is the showcase for over 1,400 exhibitors. There are conferences and forums during the three-day event that usually attracts 30,000 attendees. Cheerleaves Kim Rivers joined a panel with the Green State editor Rochelle Gordon and talked about the future of cannabis in Florida. She expects adult use to pass at the ballot box next fall. One, though, of the regular reporters, Brandon Jones, you know him, was all over Las Vegas and the convention center posing for photos with some of the faces of Missouri cannabis and nationally with advocate Thunder Walker. Thank you. Even though crowds may have been more manageable this year at MJ BizCon, the quality of attendees and the on-floor panels were outstanding. One of those showcased a dream team of advocates and professionals from the state of Michigan. Jamie Lowell, who co-hosted the Jazz Cabbage Cafe talk show with the late Rick Thompson, moderated this panel. And on that panel was our own Weed Talk News Michigan correspondent, Amy Carter, who is also the founder of the Michigan Weedsters, a cannabis advocacy group in that state. So, so that's the initiatives of Michigan Weedster is to protect those pediatric patients out there, protect our rights to grow at home, whether it's recreational or patient caregiver system. Amy's current big fight is getting a law passed that would open access to cannabis medicine for her son Jaden at his school. Right now, she has to drive to the school every day to administer a dose he uses to control his autism. This is not unprecedented since 10 legal states already allow for medicinal dosing of young people at schools. I feel like we have a lot of support from a lot of reps. Uh, it's very important that we educate our representatives 
about the true power of this plant and really educate them on the laws that are in place because a lot of the lawmakers don't understand the difference between recreational and medical. At the beginning of this panel, Jamie Lowell paid tribute to his friend Rick Thompson, the late former executive director of Normal Michigan, and pro-cannabis media followers will remember that Rick Thompson was an original contributor to We Talk News since production began in 2020. I kind of didn't want to take a second, too, because this is one of the first times coming back on to do a, a podcast or a discussion like this at large, uh, you know, since my best friend, Rick Thompson passed away, who was co-hosting with me on Jazz Cabbage for a long time. And uh, many people, unfortunately, in the last year and a half or so uh, from our community have left us. And uh, I saw we might want to take a minute to recognize that. And people have their own list and own people who are important to them for whatever reason. And uh, certainly Rick, Zara, Gersh, Avery, Brad Lemke, the, the list goes on. I just Give, us, give ourselves a second because we've been hit pretty hard lately. While most of the action in the industry is in Las Vegas this week, there have been some major developments in the number one cannabis state in the country, California. Next up, the story behind the collapse of that state's biggest distributor, Herbal, with our California correspondent, Lavana Vassal. I'm Lavana Vassa from the Bay Sash reporting for PCM with this week's California report for We Talk News. There have been several big changes in the California cannabis market. The first is a slap in the face to many small brands. The biggest distributor in California, Herbal, has officially hit rock bottom. There is a lot to unpack here. What you should know about the California cannabis law is that producers and manufacturers are required to use the distributor as a middleman to retail, and it has made logistics, finance, and quality control a total nightmare. The industry-wide effect of a distribution giant like Herbal going under is massive because it leaves many of the producers and manufacturers holding the bag. In 2022, Herbal captured 14% of the $5 billion California cannabis market. At the time, they were distributing huge brands like Cookies, Henry's Originals, and Raw Garden. Apparently, the tipping point for Herbal was when Raw Garden left them last January, and from what it sounds like, they were already over-leveraged. In other but somewhat related news, California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill introduced by Democratic Senator Mike McGuire of Healdsburg, Senate Bill 833, the Cannabis Licensing Reform Act. It allows cultivators to either pause their license fee and maintain an inactive license or, ch or change the size of their cultivation license. Anybody with the license can pause. The cultivation uh, licenses uh, can change to being a smaller uh, canopy size. These two changes are examples of laws that need recalibration to assist the functionality of the industry as a whole. Many producers and manufacturers stuck in the same situation as the producers left holding the bag for herbal, herbal need the pause in licensing if they can't operate for a time and need to cut operational expenses. And for cultivators who may have not been paid from distributors and therefore have to reduce their operational costs to a smaller canopy, in other words, they only have enough money to plant half of what they had planned to or had in the previous year. Those are just a few examples of why such adjustments are needed, and this is a good sign that issues are being addressed. I'm Lavana Vassa from the Bay Sesh reporting for PCM with this week's California Report for We Talk News. Down in Washington, D.C., Congress continues to talk about cannabis, but really 
hasn't made any progress on the descheduling of the plant off schedule one, safer banking rules, and of course, the expungement of past nonviolent cannabis crimes. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker talked at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing about gun violence and why that is a symptom, not a cause for more violence. But I've had decades of frustration living in my community and seeing evidence-based examples of things that lower violence. What frustrates the hell out of me is cities like mine have too much of the policing we don't need, where I watch kids getting arrested for doing things that kids at Yale and Stanford did when I was there. Now they've got records. Now they can't get jobs because they were arrested on marijuana charges when we have had presidents and senators bragging about their pot usage. And what that does economically to a city is stunning when you have mass incarceration for low-level nonviolent drug crime. But I do know when we target the small percentage of people in my city who have records of violence, we've been able to have incredible results. You might be familiar with the cookies brand of dispensaries that is endorsed by the rapper Burner. Now that well-known artist and entrepreneur is teaming up with another legendary cause in the industry, Steve D'Angelo's Last Prisoner Project. That advocacy group's mission is to free all nonviolent cannabis criminals who are currently serving time. One of those is former U.S. Air Force veteran Robert Beals, who is now serving in his 12th year of an 18-year sentence. His daughter, Alicia, is the driving force behind the cookies brand and held the license to open the first cookies dispensary. Now she is leading the campaign to get her father out of jail. Hashtag free Robert deals is the campaign designed to get Robert out of the Yuma, Arizona prison where he is serving his time. Cookies opened in San Jose, California, and now has over 50 dispensaries all over the world. Our Arizona correspondent, Karen Black, was at MJ BizCon for most of this week, but here's her Arizona report for this week. I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting with the Arizona Cannabis Report from MJ BizCon for Weed Talk News. It's been a busy few days here in Las Vegas at the 12th annual event. More than 30 companies with ties to the Copper State are exhibiting, ranging from large MSOs to small jewelry designers and from plant processors to payroll processors. Several prominent Arizona women are also representing the state. Cannabis entrepreneurs Adelia Carrillo and Parisa Rad kicked off the convention week by hosting Blunt Brunch Nationals, which they co-founded. Leaf's Kayla Strong, who is based in Phoenix, spoke at the event. Around 400 women, including me, enjoyed an afternoon of great food, networking, and entertainment. This year's theme was all about embracing change. While I hate to be the bearer of bad news amidst all this fun, Aspergillus is plaguing the plant in Arizona yet again. Nirvana Center voluntarily recalled a grim reefer batch after it tested positive for the fungus. Fortunately, no illnesses have been reported. That's all for this week's Arizona Report. I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting, reporting from MJ BizCon for Weed Talk News. Here in New England, New Hampshire's battle to move forward with a legal adult use market for cannabis took another body shot this week when the Senate there shot down another proposal for adult use market with a vote of seven to two. 
Tim Egan is the chairman of the New Hampshire Cannabis Association's Board of Advisors, who is working with the state's legislature to come up with a plan that could pass. Needless to say, Tim is a little frustrated with the process, but is not giving up. Well, I think what's really frustrating off the top is that New Hampshire Can, the trade association that I'm the chair of, was listed along with the ATCs as experts to be called by the commission, and the commission never called us. After reaching out to commission members, the Senate chair, Dal Abbas, the Senate vice chair, Tim Lang, um, the governor's drug czar, I offered them three things. I said, I can bring you the three regulators, the commissioners from the Cannabis Control Board in the state of Vermont. They'd be willing to come to Vermont, uh, from Vermont to New Hampshire to testify. I have regulators from Maine who are willing to testify. And I have executives in the cannabis business, including one that was involved in the Flowery, which is one of the largest medicinal companies in the country, willing to come in and share testimony about how you should build out the industry from a regular regulator point of view, a governance point of view, an industry point of view. No response fell on deaf ears. And so what it means is that the commission really only wants to listen to a few legislators who have a specific piece of legislation in mind. They don't want to listen to industry. They don't want to listen to the public. And so what we're going to get is a poor bill that's reflected in the fact that the committee couldn't even vote to endorse their own bill when they finished it. There are now 24 states in the United States to have legalized the adult use of cannabis. So who will be number 25? Well, it could be Pennsylvania, where that state is trying to figure out the best plan to appease the people in all parts of that state. Our correspondent there is Claudia Post, who is one of the leaders helping that state come up with a plan that works. With the latest on that, here's Claudia. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for We Talk News. At the top of the list today, we have a situation with the Amish, who traditionally planted all different kinds of crops, but now have migrated over to planting hemp, which they believe will be a larger cash crop than what they're planting currently. Right now, they see it and value it because of its medicinal qualities. And they do not want to have anything to do with recreational use. However, one Amish cannabis operator has been forced to shut down. Their community shut them down because they felt as if the CBD was not for medicinal use, rather for recreational use. It was bad for the community and they do not support it. CBD retailers are at pains to market their products, saying Amish grown. Heather Kreider of Hempfield Botanical, a medical CBD retailer, says she buys much of her produce from Amish farmers, and she says she favors their natural approach to farming. Right now, that is the situation here in Pennsylvania, and farmers are being shut down. Senator John Fetterman says marijuana legalization is inevitable, but yet another one of his home state's neighbors enacts the reform he concedes that the path 
in Pennsylvania has proved more challenging amid GOP resistance to the common sense policy that is backed by the majority of voters. It's absolutely absurd. Pennsylvania is now constrained by other neighbors, Ohio, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, and New York. All of that money is now fleeing to other states. And yet I am working on legalization here in Pennsylvania with a committee. It is inevitable, and I'm going to Harrisburg on the 8th of December to do a lobby day with our legislators. Well, that's it for Pennsylvania. I thank you, and I will see you next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania from We Talk News. Have a fabulous week. All Pennsylvania has to do is look at how Ohio was able to get their legalization movement approved. It did take a few tries to get the right question onto a ballot, and the special election saw that pass with close to 60% support. Now, that law goes into effect next week, but it will be some time before the rules and regulations are set up. Of course, now that state's legislature is making all sorts of noise to discredit the law that people approved at the ballot box. Attorney Harry Bernstein is our Ohio correspondent, and he has an update from his state. Hi, this is Harry Bernstein with Verde Compliance in Ohio and the Ohio Cannabis Report. It's a very exciting time in Ohio. Almost uh, a month ago, we passed adult use legalization bill, um, which uh, unfortunately our legislator feels that they're going to need to modify. Um, but effective next week, December 7th, that bill does go into effect and you will be allowed to, as an adult, home grow up to six plants, as well as uh, hold and consume cannabis. It will be legal in Ohio. The structure to sell it won't be in place yet. We anticipate 12 to 18 months. Um, so, so that's the first topic. Again, everybody's looking forward to it. The law will go into effect. That can't, it, it, it will, it, there has been commitments from Columbus. They will not repeal it. That being said, that leads us to our next topic. Unfortunately, some of the leadership in place in Columbus has already told everybody, and this is the president of the Senate Huffman's words, not mine, that the voters didn't understand what we voted for. And, and we did vote for it to the tune of 60% almost. Um, for adult use legalization. Uh, they want to make changes. The first bill was filed two days ago to make those changes. It would unsurprisingly uh, 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 give local prohibitionists more leeway to keep product away from people who need it and want it. It will also reallocate funds from those who have been injured by the failed uh, war on drugs and give that fund to law enforcement. There's certainly a need for safety training. We understand that, but we also believe that the cannabis user shouldn't bear the brunt of, of past sins. Um, so that's next up on the list. There's a lot of posturing and saber rattling going on. Uh, all both uh, pro groups and anti-cannabis groups are making claims and threatening and holding rallies. Um, there's a couple big ones scheduled for next week. Obviously, the day the law goes into effect. Uh, my knowledge of the legislator is it's going to take them a while to all get on the same page. That'll probably delay the program, but I, I, I think we might get something that's more reasonable coming out of Columbus than what they're proposing now. Um, on the federal side, our junior senator, J.D. Vance, continues to be out of touch with the voters. Uh, he believes that reefer madness and, and 
don't quote you can quote me on this. He acts like Reefer Madness is a documentary. Uh, he's completely against the safer banking uh, proposal in Washington, which has been passed by many Republicans in the House and is supported by many Republicans in the Senate. So he seems to be an obstacle in the way of protecting people from getting killed over money, because we all know without those safer banking protections, there's a lot of public safety issues in addition to other things going on. So that's what's going on in Ohio. Um, we expect next week to be interesting with the law coming into effect. So we'll be talking to you then. Again, this is Harry Bernstein in Ohio with the Ohio Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Hello, everyone. Matthew Friedlander coming to you from the owner's office here at Skagit Organics with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Uh, so today's report is going to be about money, specifically the excise tax generated by cannabis, uh, how it is appropriated, and how it is spent. Uh, so Jay Lark, the Joint Legislative Audit and Review Committee, uh, is putting together a report currently on this specific issue. Uh, but here in Washington, we have a dedicated cannabis account. Uh, money has been earmarked for specific things, uh, things like the administration of the I-502 system itself. Uh, UW and Washington State University both get uh, cannabis money for research. $800,000 has been set aside for the administration of the patient authorization database. Uh, the majority of the rest of the money has goes to uh, help fund the state basic health plan trust. Uh, some of the money, though, has been set aside for the Department of Ecology to transition their responsibility to the Washington State Department uh, of Agriculture for the accreditation of licensed labs here in the state. So they're currently in that process. Um, also, some money has been set aside for the Youth Cannabis and Commercial Tobacco Prevention Program. Uh, they plan to host a webinar on the issues of disposing of vape waste. Uh, so obviously a big problem outside the cannabis industry, uh, but a huge problem inside the cannabis industry as well with all the disposable vapes that are currently on the market. So that's what I've got for you today from Washington. My name is Matthew, reporting for We Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It looks like Germany is finally moving forward with a plan to legalize and sell cannabis to adults. That country has been trying to move forward with a plan that works for years, but it has been stymied at every level. Now that legislature has an agreement in place that will allow cannabis to be sold and consumed in clubs. One of the biggest beneficiaries of the soon-to-be legal German cannabis market is the country of Canada, which has been exporting to that country since they legalized it in the fall of 2018. With more from Canada, here's Debbie Facey. This is We Talk News, your Canadian correspondent Debbie Facey with the Canadian Talk of the Week. So what we have in Canada this week is the government of Canada has rolled out a prevention plan, which is now asking individuals that have proposals or have plans that are gonna help when it comes to prevention and education. This is something that the government has been wanting to implement and is implementing and is giving all Canadians up to January 15th of 2024 to apply with their proposal. Next what we have is Sundial and Nova Cannabis. They have decided to part ways after they initially signed on an agreement in 2021. This doesn't mean that either one of them are going to be leaving the actual industry or say 
spectrum, but they are going to be working on their own individual strategic plans in order for them to be successful independently. And last but not least, we have in BC is the new agriculture program that they have launched for individuals that are within the cannabis industry, wanting to get into the cannabis industry, or who want to sustain their agricultural land. This is something that British Columbia, Vancouver especially, has been looking at, and in their eyes is gonna be great, especially when it comes to the agriculture and sustainability when it comes to growth. This is your Canadian Corners Bottom with this week's Canadian Tote, Debbie Facey. Enjoy. Peace. I'm Doug Miller from High on Wall Street with this week's Cannabis Stock Report for Weed Talk News. Germany expanded medical cannabis sales, decriminalized certain amounts of cannabis, and improved home cultivation restrictions. There are a few publicly traded cannabis companies that could gain from this news in Germany. They are Tilray Brands, Cureleaf, Kronos Group, Organigram Holdings, and Aurora Cannabis. Let's see what the stock chart looks like for each one of these companies. Tilray, it's trading around $1.81, and it appears to be curling up. Cureleaf is trading around $3.49, and it's dipping, so watch for the bottom. Kronos Group is trading around $2.02, and it's curling up. And I'm keeping my eye on this one because it looks like the best one out of all of them. Organigram is trading around $1.28, and it could be bouncing off the bottom, but I'm going to keep my eye on this because it's a little hard to tell at the moment. And Aurora is trading around $0.46, cents, and it's another one. It could be bouncing, but it's hard to tell. I'm going to keep my eye on it. And all of these cannabis companies need some help at every level they can get. They are just bleeding money. And unless we see something federally legal or the Safer Banking Act passed, these companies are a ticking time bomb. So beware, be careful when you're investing in cannabis stocks. And that's this week's Cannabis Stock Report reporting for Weed Talk News. I'm Doug Miller. The cannabis licensing process in New York is ready to begin again. The two sides involved in a lawsuit that resulted in an injunction shutting down that process has been settled. That final court approval is supposed to be simple, and one of the veterans groups involved in that suit will be able to get its license to operate as soon as that order is official. Expect to see a flurry of licenses awarded over the next few weeks. With more from New York, here's Pam Schmiel with the New York Report, sponsored by the Union Square Travel Agency, a dispensary in New York City. I'm Pam Schmiel with the New York Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. This show is now sponsored by the Union Square Travel Agency Dispensary in New York City. Many of you may know that I also host the Mary Jane Society podcast, and I recently interviewed Christian Chavez, the CEO of the first legal dispensary to open in the Bronx, to ask him what he thinks about the brands coming out of New York, and this is what he had to say. Before we opened, um, we were visiting, I mean, I don't want to say every, but we were visiting all the uh, farms that were recommended to us. So we went down the list um, every week. There's multiple farms that we hit because we don't just meet with uh, the brand reps and the farmers at our location. 
or our offices, we we actually try to go and see their operations because you can really tell by visiting them, you know, how their process is, how passionate they are about it. Hey, what are they doing with the mold? You know, what are they doing with, you know, certain, you know, so we take, you know, we take our team that has been part of cultivation in the past to understand, you know, is there going to be longevity with this brand or is it just one good harvest? Uh, what are their intentions for the next harvest? So before we opened, we were quite concerned early in the year. I mean, our, our opening got delayed and delayed and delayed, but early in 2023, we're concerned because it was competitive, but the, the quality was not so good. There was uh, maybe four or five companies that we would vouch for. But as, um, you know, as our opening got delayed and by our opening July 6th, I can tell you that the quality is there, um, has drastically improved and it can compete with any market. So we're very satisfied and, and so are the consumers. That the, the bad rep, I mean, you used to see articles daily on how bad the quality of flour was in New York. I mean, I don't know if you ever see them anymore. I mean, you see a couple here and there. But I mean, they're always going to be there, but it's it's drastically changed. So yeah. we, we have a great procurement team um, and we, we only really carry what we're really passionate about. and know that there's going to be longevity in the brand or the farms. Everything's New York grown, you know. So even if some of these Cali brands are branded or in one of our stores, you know, the, the manufacturers or the farms behind them are here in New York. So they're the ones really growing flowers. So, right. Um, I would say that that's one of our strengths um, is the procurement side of things. So can you name some of the top brands that you really like out I there? Mean, we do really well with Flower House, um, with Flores Farms, um, Manufacture, you know, uh, High Falls is really good. Electroleaf, um, Airloop for processing. So just uh, Hudson, Hudson Hemp. So some just some of the ones that come up, you know, top of my head, but uh, Rove and Heavy Hitter. So th- those are all like, you know, some of the flower and, you know, some of the manufacturers. That's this week's New York Cannabis Report. I'm Pam Schmiel for Weed Talk News. The New York Cannabis Report is sponsored by Union Square Travel Agency, a new travel agency in New York City. That's right. This Union Square Travel Agency specializes in journeys of a different kind. They sell cannabis. Visit them at 13th and Broadway or unionsquaretravelagency.com. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of reach of children and pets. In case of accidental ingestion or overconsumption, contact the National Poison Control Center and consume responsibly. And finally, there is a new study released in Europe that concludes that the earliest record of cannabis use dates back 10,000 years. Our friend in Europe, Lex Pelger, is reporting this week that in a review in the European Journal of Chemistry, Brazilian researchers have a detailed account on the use of cannabis in ancient Mesopotamia. There are also findings that in ancient China and India, use of the plant for medicinal and religious purposes occurred thousands of years ago. You would think that at some point our elected politicians would take note of the medicinal healing powers of this plant pretty powerful research. That's Weed Talk News for this week. I'm Elena Pinto, and remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. I'm marketing 
V's. And yes, I'm pitching to you. That's Steve Levine, the inventor and principal behind the One Hit Wonder. And this little efficient device is getting rave reviews. And there's more uses than just the One Hit Wonder. The One Hit Wonder, you get a 50 milligram hit. So if you used a one-hitter or dugout before, you know the challenges. Steve's one-hit wonder is easy to clean, use, and enjoy. Standard one-hitters do not work. We're afraid to inhale. The one-hit wonder has a built-in ash catcher. So inhale like it's your last breath. Suck the ash right through. Get it at onehitwonder.com.